Welcome, Fivers, to another episode of High Five, the podcast, a movie podcast for people who like other stuff, too. On this week's episode, your hosts Q and Jay dive into some of their favorite movies and hopefully talk about some of your favorites, too. Feel free to yell at your speakers when we ignore your favorites, or you could just tweet at us with your choices, like an adult. Now, let's join Q and Jay in the writer's room as they dive in. Fair warning, this podcast may contain spoilers for movies that came out 20 years ago, but at this point, that's really your fault. And now, on with the show. And now, the story of a non-wealthy podcast who talk about everything, but mainly movies, and the two hosts who have no choice but to keep recording themselves talking and putting it on the internet. I'm Q. And I'm Jay. And this is High Five the Podcast. Should we high five? High five! High five! High five! High five! High five, son! Woo! High five! Don't let me hang it. It's an illusion, Michael. It's a trick. It's not a trick. It's not trick, a trick. Tricks are what whores do for money. <laughs> ah, it's good to be back in Arrested Development territory. That was my best uh, Job impression. Your Will Arnett impression? Yeah, no, that was my best Job impression. Well, my I'm... best Will Arnett is, I'm Batman. I'm First try. First try. First try. Uh, black and gray. This is a song that I wrote about my parents. <laughs> my parents are dead. I'm really sad. I'm Batman. Well, welcome to the show, Batman. This is so exciting. Thank you. I'm pretty excited <laughs> about it. Hey, how are your folks doing? Dead. Ah, I should have researched you a little bit beforehand. Yeah, it's pretty much my whole thing. How's your uh, How's your major villain, Kingpin? Uh, what's he up to lately? Uh, the Joker. Uh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Or Kingpin. <laughs> yeah, no, Kingpin. Other other comics. Right, yeah. Uh, that's a different uh, universe altogether. So. Oh. This oh. is awkward. Uh, you guys really don't do your research before having a guest on, do you? No. Unlike me, you don't get it on the first try. First try. <laughs> I love it. Man, it's good to see you, Q. Hey, man, it's good to see you, too. What have you been up to? Uh, you know, just pretending to be Will Arnett's <laughs> Batman in my, t- in my <laughs> days day off. All day at work. You just come into work like, hey, good to see you, Steve. Hey, Carl, how's it going? And then my parents are dead. Anytime we're like, are you doing Batman? I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm doing Will Arnett's Lego Batman. As Batman. Right, I'm correct. Will Ar- I'm doing Very specifically. Of Will Arnett doing, as right, Batman. Right, right, so right, right, that's- right. And I'm hoping for that kind of like sound alike, like if they ever decide to do like a straight to animated series. Right, right. That, and they need somebody who can fill in for Will Arnett because he's too big. Well, let's be honest. Will Arnett will probably do it. He, I mean, he did flaked. Yeah, he so, was on the Gong Show. He is producing the remake of the Gong Show. You know what? I respect him for that. Goddamn it! <laughs> do you? No. For hiring Mike Myers to do another <laughs> character in a fat suit or whatever. Isn't it? Isn't uh, it? Are they still a, doing that? Yeah, that way I with, think so. Yeah, like Mike Myers as, as a British comedian that no one's heard of. Yeah, as Jiminy Glick. Yeah, basically, yeah. they might as well have gotten Martin Short. Well, he was busy doing that Netflix show. Oh, with Steve Martin? Yeah. The one Netflix show. The, he couldn't film the entire season of the, the show. Because he was yeah. doing one night's recording of Steve Martin and Martin Short live. Martin Short is a busy dude. He was on that John Mulaney show for five episodes, and now he's doing this. That's right. And the, eventually, a full they're going to have a Three Amigos reunion. I like how we just 
were just like shitting on celebrities who have much bigger careers than either of us put and, together, and we're like, look at how much time they have. Derp, 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 derp. Meanwhile, we're like, both of us adore. By exactly. the way, like Martin Short and Will Arnett are two people we legitimately adore. You and I have never learned the difference between. Uh, loving and appreciating people and shitting on them. Well, I I know that when I was in kindergarten and I would hit girls with sticks, it worked. Like, that was how I told them I loved them. So, right. Martin Short, I'm hitting you with my stick. <laughs> Ooh, it, interesting. Well, okay, let me clarify. In a very, very loving and tender way is my stick touching you. Listen, Jeffrey Tambor, calm down. <laughs> Oh! Woo! Woo! That comment was on fire. That that comment's on fire. Alicia Keys? Yeah. Yeah. In the studio with us. A lot of people don't know Alicia Keys records all of our intros and outros. She does. uh, Right. New York City. Right. What's weird is. is I don't think so. I think. I don't wear makeup. Exactly. <laughs> I don't wear makeup. She's on The Voice now, isn't she? Yeah, is but she... I think she's like her thing is natural. Like she doesn't wear makeup. Anymore. Got it. I neither, think that's a and thing. neither do we. That's what we at High Five the podcast and are that's all about. What everyone always talks about when they meet us for the first time, they're like, "Wow, I didn't realize how much you and Alicia Keys have in common." I was you like, "Both don't wear makeup." I, I was like, "I know. It's a it's a common it's a common thing." Uncanny that we have X Men with her. <laughs> the uncanny X Men. <laughs> yep, Alicia Keys. Alicia Keys. We've got Puck. And we've got Multiple Man, and we've got Alicia Keys. That's her superpower. She's on fire! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Pyro's on fire! Yep, thank you. You walked, you set me up perfectly for that joke, and I just fucking... You just knocked knocked it out of the park. You were basically Colossus, and I was Wolverine, and you spun around, and you fucking threw me. (laughs) And I killed something with my claws. Sure, <laughs> that's a, that was a move. That's in the comic books. That's I think something in, they're known for. I think it's in. The, well, I mean, Juggernaut and Wolverine don't like team up. Yeah, a whole isn't lot. isn't it's like throw me, bitch. <laughs> Why that? I don't know anything no? about. I'm pretty sure right. that's wrong Is on ju- every level. It's like right. I'm the Juggernaut, bitch. <laughs> throw me. <laughs> I've got momentum that can't be stopped because I'm a genius scientist with a ruby in my head. I'm somehow related to Professor X. Throw me, bitch. I don't know if you guys have seen that episode of the X-Men cartoon from the 90s, but it's a good one. It's called Throw Me, Bitch. That's the ep- Well, it's called Throw Me, B. Parentheses. Well, B. Bitch. Asterisk, dollar sign, C-H. I-T-C-H. Right. I don't know why they spelled the whole thing. Just put the asterisk in the middle of it. And, <laughs> and, then, the move, and then move the letters down. It still spells bitch, but it's just... But there's, now just there's with no unnecessary in characters yeah. in the middle. It's actually how you spell biatch if you're being <laughs> Got it. vernacularly correct. Got it. Well, we at High Five Podcast are all about If we're being about anything, we're about being VD correct. Or VC. VD? <laughs> if we're about anything at High Five the Podcast, it's VD. <laughs> It is juggernaut induced BD. <laughs> Throw me, bitch. Who was who was juggernaut in that? Oh, Vinny Vinny Jones or whatever. Vinny. Yeah, uh, yeah, Vinny yeah, Jones. Vinny Jones from, from of Snatch is what I always right. think of him from. Good reference. With, <laughs> That's like the, with the only thing that I can ever remember him from. Well, what I remember the in? other thing. He was he was X Men. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> juggernaut. He was the juggernaut, bitch. Yeah. 
Got he it. Was. He We've was. reached our bitch quotient for this episode. I We've think, said it too many times. I think we have. We gotta. We have to get, get away rid of from it. it. We gotta get we'll rid just of get it. Get away from it. We're gonna leave. Leave those bitches behind us. So what have you We're been up to, forward. Jay? Um, man, it's you know it's been it's been pretty much a normal week. I think the biggest things we did, uh, we saw Solo, which. I know you did as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm excited to talk about that. Yeah, let's do it. Um, and then we've just been, honestly, we played a lot of catch-up this week. And we caught up on Handmaid's Tale Season 2, which nice. is really good and depressing. Um, we caught up on like some John Oliver that we missed and some other shows. Um, and then we started one that I want to tell you about. But uh, for I want to kind of end it with me on Solo. Okay. Um, and then uh, what, about, what about you? I mean, have you guys been up to anything outside of what I already know? Uh, let's see. Um, nope. We are currently in discussion of bringing back our bingo game That's nights. very exciting. We talked with a uh, we talked with the locale and venue today. So we're going to leave it at just bingo. Mm-hmm. We're not really going to give you details. But if anybody was familiar with our uh, Bill Murray bingo nights at the Crying Wolf in East Nashville back Last year, we did a whole run, very mm-hmm. successful, lots of fun. Lots of people came out, got really drunk. We played bingo. It was dumb. Yeah. They won prizes. It was great. There was Bill Murray. There was Bill Murray. And uh, and we're going to do it again, and we're launching a type of game night yes. uh, at a venue that's going to be bigger, and you guys are going to be excited about it. Better. Um, and you should be there, but we'll make an announcement in a few weeks about We just want to let you know that we're working on that. Yeah. So I've been working on that, and uh, let's see. We also... Uh, I'm getting geared up to go to Jason Marsden's recording. So yeah, me we got too. A, we got me an too. invite. He still hasn't listened to the episodes at all. Um, <laughs> he yes, he has. Me- he messages us regularly to tell us that we're just horrible podcasters, and then invites us to. And then he invited. Yeah. It's weird. I'm he works in mysterious e- ways. I'm super excited. Uh, but no, seriously, Jason Marsden has. I'm gonna let the cat out of the bag. Has reached out to us a couple times. Tell us that he listens to the show. I'm my heart has exploded. I'm dead because of that. I'm dead already. <laughs> you are dead. I'm, I'm dead right seen, now. You smell. Yeah, it's gross. I'm dead already. Um, I'm Carl from Walking Dead. Spoiler alert. Who cares? Oh shit. Uh, Nobody fuck cares. Carl. Fuck. Uh, fuck Carl. <laughs> uh, but no, Jason Mars then extended an invite to us, so we're gonna go check out his Mars Variety Show taping. And maybe even bring you some swag, Jason. Be on the lookout. We'll so, see. and we'll then see. I saw Solo. We don't like you that much. <laughs> Yeah, we only talk about you every episode. Right. We we hate you, actually. <laughs> Let's put so, it out there. When we dislike people, we can't stop talking about right. them. So. so see you next Wednesday, bitch. <laughs> Throw me. <laughs> um, so, so you saw, and so, then yeah. I saw Solo. Well... Do you want to talk about solo? Yeah, let's talk bit? about solo. So, so I know this episode is about, you know, arrest development. We'll get there, but... Yeah. Solo, we both did see it. It was a pretty big deal. Last week's yes. episode was all about Star Wars. And what we thought Solo was going and to be. And what we thought Solo was going to be. Mm-hmm. That actually is a great segue. Was Solo what you thought it was going uh-huh. to be? No. Okay. Uh, Explain. Okay. Um, so, the first 20 minutes of the movie, uh, I was sitting in the theater and I'm watching it, and I'm gonna go into. We'll hit some mild spoiler. Territory yeah, let's not in like here. let's not hit the big major. No big spoilers, reveals, but we'll but hit hey, some if, like things that I didn't like because I just want to talk about it. Don't want to know anything about Solo. Skip, skip ahead, ahead about like, five minutes. Yeah, we'll, we'll probably be done by then. Um, but we're not going into anything heavy. We're just gonna talk about our opinions. Of it. Right at the five minute mark, yeah. I'm just gonna be like, and then <laughs> Luke Skywalker came Can out. You believe cameo? Holy <laughs> shit! <laughs> um, no. Uh, that didn't happen, by the way. Um, 
so f- for the first 15 20 minutes i was watching the screen and my inner monologue was legit and this is no exaggeration i was just thinking oh no <laughs> like oh oh no oh no oh no they have they have made a grave mistake. They have done something. To quote something Han Solo, I do not have a good feeling about this. This is bad. To quote Joe Bluth, I've made a huge mistake. <laughs> exactly. Uh, where are my forget-me-nots? <laughs> or forget-me-nows? Yeah. I need a forget-me-now immediately. So I'm watching it for 15, 20 minutes. Here's here's kind of my breakdown yeah. of what went through my mind in those first minutes. So first off, the filming style was real weird for the first 15 20 minutes. It Everything that jittery. took place, yeah. It was like very it jittery like really handheld camera y feeling mm-hmm. inside this city. The the first yeah. 15 the first opening sequence takes place inside Corellia. Corellia. Yeah. Um and which can I interject a little the Star Wars weirdness sure. here? Uh-huh. I kind of got excited because do you know like the red stripe on Han Solo's pants? No. You familiar with that? Like in his wardrobe, he's got like the blue pants with the no. stri- Okay. In Star Wars lore, Han Solo wears like the really dark navy blue pants with like a stripe down the side. Uh-huh. And that stripe is known as a Corellian blood stripe. Ooh. So I was like, oh, okay. We're going to get Corellia? the backstory cool. of how that happened. No, no. We did not. Nope, we did not. Instead, we got a backstory for a lot of things that I didn't need a backstory for. Right. Um, so the filming was weird. The. The feel felt weird. Like the yeah, I don't I don't know how to describe it other than like it was off putting. Like yeah. it kind of felt like a direct to DVD kind of thing. Like it felt kind of low budgety. <sighs> the acting was kind of weird and wooden. There was a puppet that was used. That Proxima? and normally yeah, Proxima. And I'm normally super into puppets, right? But this looked weirdly puppety. Well, it. Th- it was one of the things. Okay, let I'll interject a little okay. here too because I had very similar feelings about the first third of the movie, the first thirty-ish sure. minutes. And you know, I think both of our sentiments will be the same on the the last seventy-five percent. But that, yeah, I, the thing about the first thirty minutes is I could almost tell that they were editing around things. Lloyd and Lord and Miller did. Yes. Because, you know, the, if you read the stories, the behind the scenes stuff, Lord Miller wanted it to be very comedic, that every scene had like improv elements. Right. When the screenwriters wanted them to follow the script, and that was a big contention. I felt like the first 30 minutes or so were edited around what Lord and Miller actually So it was the salvaged filmed. footage. That's, of I think what? that's the 30%. I think it was too, and it makes sense. Because so, even the tone of it was a little different. It was weird. It was a bit more comical. Like, okay, good example. You know when they're driving through the uh, the alleyway yes. up on the side and it just kind of peters out halfway through? Yeah. And it's like, oh, haha, funny gag. That's not really a Star Wars gag, but it does come back into play later, later in the, in the story. Movie. Yeah. But it's not. It's a silly gag that you would find in a Twenty One Jump Street, not in a Star Wars movie. Totally. So I felt like that first Corellia bit was a bit bored and millery. Right. And, and and jittery. And that's why I think it was edited so weirdly. And now the Proxima stuff, I got really nervous when she came out of the water. And I was like, oh, fuck, it's going to be CG. Right. Like, I thought the villains and were going to be CG. And it was not. And it was not, but it was a puppet with a CG face. Yes. And that's what was weird about it. I actually liked the Proxima character, the sure. idea of this, sure. you know, 
nighttime abiding sewer slug that took homeless kids and made them a life of crime and is like this gigantic. I liked that. Sure. The concept of Proxima in the Star Wars universe, totally fine. Execution, weird. Was weird. Weird. And that's the best description. None of it, I was just like, this is all weird. It doesn't feel right. Something feels weird. So that continued into one of my most loathed parts of that entire movie. And I wish to God that this movie was not canon specifically for this. Oh, yeah? When they're, and I won't say what happens, but they get into a situation and Han Solo signs up to join the Empire. Oh, right. As a, so he can learn to be a pilot. And there is an unnecessary explanation of his last name. I wasn't a fan of that. That I didn't understand or need. Like, I was fine with his name just being Han Solo. That's his first and last name. It's not like Luke Skywalker was made that way because he once jumped off of a building and kept running. (laughs) Right. Like, and and in this gag, basically he is asked by a soldier or whatever that's doing the enlistment, what tribe are you with? And he was like, I'm with no tribe. And he's like, oh, no one? Hmm. And then he takes a beat, thinks about it, and then he goes, Solo. Han Solo. And right. I was like, unfucking necessary. Yeah. Like, totally unnecessary. And and like I said, put a like blemish on it. I'm like, why? why? That's a du- a that's a dumb cheap gag. Right. Well, because he's not the only person in history to go through by themselves. Right. And now there's a bunch of people with the last name Solo, Solo? who are not related. Right. It was just super fucking weird and dumb. So that was. Problem number one. And I kind of feel like these were Lord Miller jokes. And I was like, damn, that sucks. Like, it almost feels like they're making fun of the property. You know what I mean? And then there was another beat that happened. Uh, He fast forward. He meets Chewbacca. I was not into the way that he met Chewbacca. I and they teamed didn't up. have a problem It was with fine, it. except I knew exactly what was happening. Right. It was telegraphed way before. I was like, well, that is clearly going to be Chewbacca right. in this dark area. Yep. Whatever. But... Then, when they're on board this freighter ship that they stole, they're sitting on this balcony area looking out over the distance, and Han asks him, like, what his name is, and he says Chewbacca, and he goes, well, I'm not going to say that. I'm going to have to give you a nickname. Like, wink, wink, I'm going to call him Chewy. And I'm like, yeah. why don't you just fucking call him oh. Chewy? Like, right, yeah. You, it, the joke felt so weird that they were like, hey, I'm about to tell you where he got the, hey, audience, yeah. like, hey, this is the first time I called him Chewy. Remember how you like that? There it was, was a, weird. There was a bunch of, like, watching this movie, and and I let me jump ahead and spoil the lead a little bit. Okay. I ended up really liking the last, like, yeah, for 70% sure. of this I was film. getting there. But one of the things, the main problem I have with this movie is how the whole film feels like sitting next to a fanboy who's elbowing you and winking at you the whole time. It's like, one, I kind of don't... One, you didn't give me a backstory of the dice. You just told me they were important. Sure. Two, don't need a backstory and a point, a plot point about why Han gives him a nickname. Right. I don't need the last name backstory. Nope. I don't need... like so, just, Every few minutes, there was a, huh... Oh, hey, oh, oh, right. And like, I will say that I felt though, that that laid off later in it did. But I mean, even like Woody Harrelson giving 
on the blaster. But that was still in the first third. I, that was that oh, was before true. the train robbery. That's true because that was at the night before. So that's what I'm saying. I think all of those yeah. really on the nose moments were from the Phil Lord and Chris Miller thing. I'm guessing that had to had be to their been, right? their section because it felt so uneven. And I don't. I feel like Ron Howard has done fantasy before. Mm-hmm. I mean, he did Willow. He did Willow, yeah. Um, he's done movies before that are just like wrapped up in the fantasy of the world. And I will say, from what I know of Ron Howard movies, the last two-thirds felt more like in line with a traditional Ron Howard movie. Not a lot of, like... It wasn't mind-blowingly good. It was fine. It was was serviceable, and it was fun. Yeah. It was... If I'm going to sum it up quickly, I guess, it was not the best Star Wars movie. Nowhere near the worst. Sure. It was just inconsequential. I actually read something after the after I saw the movie that I will say totally because I have one other gripe about the movie mm-hmm. that totally made me one hundred percent sure in the fact that the first third of the movie is what remains of what Phil Lord and Chris Miller directed. Uh huh. Um, I read an article afterwards in the when watching the movie, watching um Elden Ehrenreich. Sure. As Han Solo, he didn't sound like him. He didn't look like him. He didn't act like him for the first third of the movie. And I did not buy him as Han Solo. I was like, he's yeah. not He's not even like lightly being Han Solo. Are you going to talk about the coach? Yeah. Yeah. So after, but I didn't know this. Oh. I didn't know that going in. I was just like, wow, he's like not even trying to be right. Han Solo. And I'm not saying I needed a full on fucking impression, but sure, like. Sure, sure. Give me some like feel like you're Harris, like you will eventually become Harrison right. Ford. And then about like two thirds of the movie in, I'm starting to like kind of buy him a little more. Yeah. It's it feels a little more Harrison Fordy. Right. He's kind of given more looks that are Harrison Ford. He's kind of speaking with a cadence that's a little more mm-hmm. Harrison Ford. He's doing these like Harrison Ford Han Solo poses, like when he yeah. stands and stuff. And then by the end of the movie, and this is no exaggeration, by the end of the movie. There were certain scenes where they're running on board and off board the Millennium Falcon where when the light hit him certain ways, I was like, holy shit, he looks fucking identical (laughs) to Harrison Ford. And like he would do something or say something. I was like, oh, my God, it's Han Solo. Like I could see it. So then I was like, that was weird. Like it was weird how he wasn't that and then slowly became that. And then by the end of the movie was Han Solo to me. Well, and I'm kind of in the same boat because I – I told I said last week on the episode I had an issue because I don't think he looks right. right. I think his face is too wide for Han Solo when he smiles. He does that little squinty thing that Harrison Ford doesn't do. And I actually sort of had the same issues. Now, part of this, and I, I have to backtrack a little bit because one of the things that I appreciated about his performance, and I'm going to contrast this with Donald Glover's in a second, is... Well, I wanted to reveal what happened. Oh. So people know what the change actually was. And that's uh, you're why right. I interrupted that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'll, get back, I'll get to my point. You make yours. Sorry. So lastly, I was just saying, so I thought it was really weird. Well, then I read an article that apparently when Ron Howard took over production on the movie, he hired a coach, a dialect yes. coach for Eldon Ehrenreich to get him to sound yeah. more like Harrison Basically Ford. an acting coach to have him act like Harrison Ford or act like the Han Solo character. And so then, after I read that article, I was like, well, that makes total fucking sense why it would give two different performances in the movie. Yeah. The first, so that 100% solidified in my mind that that 
first half or first third of the movie was right. left over because his performance was off and it was sure. weird. And after that, he was totally doing yep. a bit of a Harrison Ford impression. Right. Well, and so, okay. So the point I was making was, uh, is that I didn't have a huge issue with how he was acting. Um, and I did like the idea of, you know, Alden or Alden, what, however you pronounce it, coming in and sort of giving his own take on, well, he starts off as this wide-eyed dreamer kid, and he has to end up as the self-absorbed, smirky, you know, scum rat that we know and love. Somewhere in there, those two personalities have to become the same one, but I liked the fact that Alden wasn't trying to just do a flat-out Harrison Ford impression. Like, I really, really liked that, because contrasting that, one of my favorite parts of this movie is Donald Glover as Lando. Oh, yeah. But there are parts where I felt myself getting pulled out of it because I was like, Donald, you're acting like Billy D. Williams and you're not being Lando. Like, there were parts of it where I could feel him trying to be like Billy sure. D. Williams where I never got that feeling from Alden. And I can appreciate both aspects of it. And like I said, my favorite parts were Donald Glover. Sure. So I think he got it right more often. But I do appreciate both approaches to sure. acting as a character that is already established in lore. I will say, did you catch <clears throat> that this movie definitively answers who shot first? Oh, Han, yeah. Yeah, but this movie basically... Yeah. It gives you yeah. why he shoots first, I, and I was kind of like, I like that because that was I the one it. nod and elbow poke that I didn't feel like was it an elbow sense. poke. I it was made like, sense with the oh, plot. Okay, yeah. perfect, got it, perfect, yeah. and that is why. And so then it answers the questions later when I'm like, who shot first, Greedo or Han? I'm like, right. well, now I know because he learned. definitely Han. Yeah, Han shot first, and I kind of giggled at that because when that happened, and we won't spoil what happens, but when that scene happens, I in my head I go, ha. Han shot first. Totally. And then I, then I thought about it. I was like, oh, well, they're trying to do that. Of course they they're are. They're trying to give you that answer to yeah. like, well, this sets up his character yeah. as to how he would do that later. And I'm not going to mention who the big uh, reveal is of right. a cameo. But what did you think about that particular character being brought in? I... Like, what was your reaction? Were you like, yeah, or were you like, oh, or I was were you just like, oh, okay. I was kind of neither, because at first I was like, wait, is that so-and-so or just the same species? Right. You know? It's the, it, it's the it, same it, right. character, which I found out later because there are elements of the extended parts of the Star Wars that uh -huh. I'm not familiar with. And I am. So I immediately was like, you, oh, shit. Yeah, so for you, I bet that cameo was a little bit more on the nose. For me, I had to be like, wait a minute. Didn't blah, 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 go right. blah, 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 blah. And right. then afterwards, I looked it up on my phone. I'm like, oh, this oh. is how that works. That makes sense now. Okay, I'm fine with it. Got it. That was that was kind of how I responded to it. I was like, oh, weird. I wonder, at first I was like, I bet that's his I kid. I will also say that it is the first time, and super earmuffs, because this may be a, a light spoiler, but unless you think really hard on it, <laughs> you're going to figure it out. This may be the first time that any of the post-prequel movies have referenced yeah. directly the prequels. And I was like, yeah. ooh, 
brave move. Yeah. <laughs> brave move. Yeah, yeah. Like none of the post prequel movies have referenced yeah. really anything that happened in those movies. They yeah. kind of like were like, well, and we're just gonna well, pretend not. that didn't happen. We'll just put Which that over smart. there. Which is smart. So this one yeah. was like, no, 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 that happened. Yeah. Like, that happened, and and this other stuff has happened, right? So, so it's all go. canon, guys. Here you go. Good luck. Um, so I mean, overall, honestly, once the train heist scene started through the rest of the film, sure, I had fun, sure, and that's what I'll say. I had a whole lot of fun. There aren't any. There aren't a lot of consequences in this movie. It didn't. It didn't add anything. I didn't know. It didn't. Spoiler alert: You know Han Solo's gonna survive, right? Yeah, <laughs> and so. For all of those reasons, it was just, it was in, it was undangerous, I sure. guess, is the way to think about it. I had a lot of fun. I enjoyed myself. Great. That's it. I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy that it exists in the way that it exists. And I'm, and I walked out of the theater more impressed with it than I thought I was going to be. Sure. So that's what I'll say. We should, uh, well, we talked about that way longer yeah, than we sorry intended. Sorry, everybody. To. Uh, <laughs> so. To kind of bring it back around to what we're talking about, um, let's t- briefly touch on something else that recently happened in the news just a couple days ago, which is yeah. super crazy. Uh, not incredibly shocking, <laughs> but super crazy, um, which is Roseanne yeah. got the super axe immediately yeah. following a tweet that Roseanne tweeted about a former Obama cabinet member. Which this is, I mean, and this happened. Less than 48 hours ago from when we're recording this. So you and I were texting kind of all day. I was like, did you see the Roseanne stuff? Yeah. And you're like, totally. And I think by now everyone has knows heard about what's it, going knows on. about it. We don't need to rehash what no. happened. I will say, though, that I am saddened by it because ABC did the right thing. Right. Um, the president of ABC, Gurner, Burner. Forget her. I forget her name. Sandra Burner, I think. Uh-huh. Something like that. She did the right thing. Roseanne got what she deserved. Sure. I am sad because the revival of the show was pretty good, and now hundreds of very talented people are out of jobs because someone has a shitty person. Uh, right. Oh, totally. That one hundred. Like Sarah Gilbert's out of a job. Oh, I mean that job. John Goodman isn't coming back to TV. Sure. Um, Jackie, you know, uh, oh, fuck, well, I can't remember the actress's name. Uh, Metcalf, Lori yeah, Metcalf. Yeah, Metcalf. She's not going to be coming back as Jackie. Like, all of those things I really like. All of the cast and crew behind yeah. the scenes. It, the writers. The writers. Wanda Sykes was a producer on that show, and she left. She left before they canceled it. And did you She hear, left as soon as it happened. Yeah. It was like, fuck this. And did you hear last week, or like, the last week or two weeks ago, the actual showrunner left? Um, oh yeah, Whitney uh, Cummings. Whitney Cummings. Yeah, she left because she couldn't, didn't want to work with Roseanne anymore. I hear. And right. I, I know that she came out and was like, "Well, it was just too busy. It was hard to juggle but schedules." But it was given the history of Roseanne, the first nine years they had a different showrunner almost every year. Sure, because, because she's notoriously hard to get along. Exactly. With. And so I think everything that happened in response was the right thing. Sure. I'm and just sad about. Can it. I say I have never. In the history of television, seen something, ha- seen something happened, and such an immediate response. Yeah. Without any sort of normally, the Hollywood mumbo jumbo is well. We'll do an investigation. We're looking into this. We're looking we're into very, it. Uh, this is not our. Views Let's on make this. sure that the context is correct. Blah blah blah. They were just straight up like uh, show's gone. Iger from Disney yeah. came out 
immediately and was like this disgusting, appalling, and has no place on our network. Right. And I was just like, holy shit. Like, they took a hardline stance, yeah. which I love. Like, I love that they were like, no room for error. Right. She fucked up. That was disgusting. Off the air. Right. Now, I did hear, so there was the initial backlash against Roseanne. Mm-hmm. But now there is a backlash against the backlash. Have you heard about this? I think it's mainly people are like, well, you shouldn't have been watching her show to begin with. And now the only reason that ABC and Disney is canceling the show is because their already racist star of their show is now just publicly racist. So instead of being able to, uh, what did they say? hide her racism yet still make money off of her right now it's out in the open and they have to address it and they're like so if you have supported this you're still you were still supporting a racist person she was racist before she pointed that tweet that's true but everyone else on the show wasn't racist no i like, agree it, and so i i, agree. I don't know that's I a think- hard line and that that kind of ties into what we're talking about but also i have to ask you a question which is been a massive question since this like recent churning of Hollywood has kind of the shakeup has happened, which is can you and should you separate art from the artist? You know what I mean? Oh, like, man. can you separate the body of work of someone who is maybe a disgusting, despicable sure. person? Like, can you enjoy a painting by Hitler? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. is that bad if it's a good painting? You know, that's and I'm not I'm not making I mean, I'm sure. kind of making light of that, but fuck it. It's it's a joke. And it's a podcast. So um, it's free. You but get this for free. the the point is, is like, can you separate it that you and I had that conversation when the, the shit Kevin dropped Spacey, about yeah. Kevin Spacey? And I was like, fuck, I love Kevin Spacey as an yeah. actor. I love his fucking body of work. I love what he's done. But man, he's a fucking shitheel. Yeah. And that sucks. And that sucks. So do I now have to not like or appreciate everything that came before me now knowing that he was a shit heel or can I still love those things and go, well, I'm just not going to support anything you do from here on out. You know what I mean? I mean, and it's so tough. I don't know if there is a right answer on that. I mean, because the reality is, man, and I even hesitate to say this cause I don't want to make light of anything. Either. Sure. But the reality is, is, you know, every human is a human and therefore no one is perfect. And all of that. Great. You're a shit heel. You should you should be treated like a shit heel and you should face the repercussions of that shit heel. Dumb. My personal stance on it. And I don't know if it's just because I want to feel this way or if this is the right way to feel, or if there's even is a right way to feel. This is how I feel about it right this second. Sure. I think there is value in appreciating the art outside of the artist. Sure. And it, it, it's kind of that same thing of, can you appreciate something? Yes, I can. Like if you showed me a painting and it was amazing. Right. And I was like, oh man, this is a really like, like his line work is really good. And man, the shading here. And wow, this is really, really impressive how he got the the thing. And you're like, oh yeah, Hitler did this. I'm like, oh fuck. Like fuck I, have that to, painting. I have to know the context of that. And then I have to put that painting right. in that context. But that doesn't take away from the technical accuracy that I praised beforehand so like let's take something like american beauty or actually probably a better example like baby driver or something like that is that movie expounding on a shitheel view of the world that you know shouldn't be had by people or is one element of a thousands people 
people's work kind of nasty. And that's and that's what brings me to the to the Roseanne thing is lots of people are employed by this television mm-hmm. show. Lots of people are pouring their heart and non-racist yeah. souls and into there were this show. Good episodes, absolutely. And here's the deal: I'll still go on record. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna say what it is. Whether whether um, Roseanne is a piece of shit or whatever, which she is. I am yeah. in no way fucking defending her or her statements. I think that's disgusting. I loved the original run of Roseanne. Yeah. I still do. I still think it was a very unique and interesting look into middle America's households. Mm. And it was real. And I recently binge watched in preparation for the new series. I binge watched the entire mm. series again. Oh, a does it, that every, like three or four, every three or four years. And it she still holds thing. up. Yeah. Um, but I did read recently that a lot of streaming services and stuff were talking about dropping past episodes. Well, and Hulu already dropped three of the big ones already dropped the current run. Yeah. Like you can't find reruns anymore. They've taken it out of syndication. Well, they've dropped it from Hulu. I think CMT, uh, Nickelodeon and one other station yeah, it was like Nick at night. Also CMT. pulled the syndicated reruns on it. Right. Um, and again, I even told A, I was like, I think that may be a little too much because she wasn't a shithead then. The problem is, and people's argument is, she's still getting paid for those syndication See, rights. So you're basically, true. that's money that's going to her. So every time that episode plays, whether you like her or not, nah. that's her contractual right. You know what I mean? She's getting paid for right. it. And so but the only. So everyone else. Right. And that's what it's the double edged sword. So like, it's. Does her action. Does it justify punishing 475 other talented people who right. aren't shitheads? And that brings us to our fun-loving, freewheeling conversation <laughs> of Arrested Development. Because, because Jeffrey Tam- Tambor yeah. has also been recently in the news, um, has recently been exposed as being one of those shitheels, yeah. and was even removed from a show that was Based arguably about his yeah. character called transparent on amazon yeah. and now is in the current fifth season of um of Rest arrested of, development right. and i read an interview with mitch hurwitz where he was asked directly about that are you going to leave bef- prior to the season premiering are you going to leave jeffrey tambor in the season and he was like well yeah i mean his character is is and has been central to the plot right of arrested development and there is no arrested development without Right. This character kind of is is basically what he said. Sure. So while he didn't agree with Jeffrey Tambor's behavior. Right. It's it's Mitch Hurwitz's show and Mitch Hurwitz wants his show to be what his show is. Now, then you had the press tour problems right. where well, he they canceled all the rest of them. After I know. The New York Times interview. where he made some comments about Jessica Walters. Well, he didn't. Right. Let, she yeah. she made comments about working with him. Yeah. Did you read that that article? I didn't read it in full. Honestly, in that article, um uh Tobias uh, and and uh David and, Cross. Yeah, David Cross and Will Arnett and, and Bateman. No, oh, Jason. Will Bateman. Arnett and Bateman actually come off worse in that interview than anybody else. Really? Because they and not on purpose, and I'm not saying either of them are shit heels or feel this way. But I mean, David Cross has his accusations as well, right? Um, but they came across as normalizing the behavior. 
basically saying, well, yeah, Tambor is really hard to work with. And he yelled at, you know, Jessica Walters and what, and like that. But, you know, this is Hollywood. A lot of people have high emotions. We're all empaths. They sort of normalized it. And then Jessica Walters and maybe basically um, Alicia Swalkett were kind of like, yeah, but that's not, it shouldn't be normal. And Jessica Walters was like, I've been working in this industry a long time. And, you know, when he yelled at me, it was the worst I've experienced. Right. And honestly, for that interview, Tambor didn't say much. Right. Uh, so he came off looking just silent and contemplative. Um, Bateman and Cross were the ones that sort of accidentally normalized it. And they're the ones that kind of came out of the interview not No, I did great. see all that because they they got ripped to shreds. Yeah. Um, and, but, and probably deservingly so, but also maybe not as ripped as they should. Uh, maybe they got ripped a little too much. Uh, I don't know. It's such a delicate balance right. because— But that's why we're talking about it. Because Here's the difference, <clears throat> though, I think. Jeffrey Tambor didn't go on Twitter and be like, man, I love to fuck people who don't want to be fucked. Right. Like— People are accusing him of doing it, and sure. I'm not devalidating what their claims are. If there is truth to them, it needs to come to light, and he should be held responsible for sure. that. I thought I thought he had issued a statement saying that it may be accurate. He issued a statement. I, there were a lot of like claims of him like rubbing up against people right. and sort of doing that stuff, and he. The statement that I read, at least, and I could be mistaken, and if I am, you know, Twitter, please correct me, but I thought that his statement was more along the lines of, I'm not the easiest person to work with. You know, I may have misread situations on set where we, everyone was just being really familiar, and I, you know, I'm sorry if I made people uncomfortable. I'm working on it. I'm working on myself. Sure. Type of thing. He didn't say, like, I walked up to her and, like, put my hand under her skirt. Like, right. If he if he had said that on Twitter as basically saying, "Hey, look at me, I'm a huge shit heel," then my opinion might be different. But when it's when there are accusations involved, I want it to be vetted, right? You know. Well, clearly, I mean, here's here's kind of my stance. I feel like it was vetted enough for Amazon to drop him yeah. from one of their most that's their flagship yeah. show. They're getting Emmys. They were getting Emmys. So. For I feel like there had to be some truth to Something. it yeah. for them to be like, all right, he's out. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and potentially kill their show. I think they've announced that they're going to continue the show yeah, without his character. I think they're in a place where they could do that. But, um, but that being said, that's why I, I can't really fall on the side of like, well, maybe not. Yeah. I feel like there had to be some level and of I'm, investigation to, to justify them pulling the plug on him sure. altogether. I feel like, I feel not not shitting on Amazon or Bezos or anything, but I feel like they love money enough yeah. that if there were not truth to it, that they would keep him on. Right. You know what I mean? Instead of risking losing losing that that fat Al calf. You know although, what I mean? Yeah, I mean yes. Do they really need any more money? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I, I can't imagine that they do. Like, I feel like they could take the hit to avoid the the. I don't the feel tragedy. like anytime soon they're going to be like, you know what? Shut down Amazon. No. We I don't, don't need. We don't. We're all full that's up not with what money I, I'm over not here. saying that. I'm saying that, like, they might have been able to say, all right, we're going to take the hit to avoid the controversy. Sure. And, you know, they've got other shows like Castle Rock's coming up. No, that's Hulu. 
Um, they've got, you know, Lord of the Rings show coming I was, up. Man, and, I was really hoping that you would just go like, they've got Castle... No, Hulu. They've got Stranger... No, Netflix. <laughs> I just got, yeah, like other things. You're like got the Americans. You know, actually, yeah, they probably needed yeah. that show. <laughs> <laughs> no, they've got you know the marvelous Miss Maisel. They've wait, got wait, the wait, wait, wait. Amazon. They've out. got uh, what is that? Man in the High Castle. Oh, Hitler show. Mm. Ah, damn. <laughs> probably not good. Uh, but anyway, that being said, it was there was a lot of controversy right. surrounding this show coming back. And actually there was another controversy surrounding this show. And I don't know if you read a lot about this too, but um, a lot of the actors were upset with Mitch Hurwitz for remixing season four. Oh, you hear really? About no. I mean, I heard that he remixed it. I didn't hear they were mad about he it. He remixed it. And several of the actors, including Jessica Walters, Jason Bateman came forward and said that it basically violated their contracts because their contracts were for 12 or 13 episodes. Sure. And that's what they got compensated for. But it has been remixed into 22 episodes. So they felt like it was basically taking scenes that were unused and stretched out and basically basically making more out of less. And so Mitch Hurwitz is compensated for it because Netflix paid him for this new season. But they are getting no additional money for basically what is a, re, a redux of the right. movie or of the show. So that was really interesting, and a lot of them were huh. very vocal about it and saying that like they think that they got cheated, basically. And Mitch Hurwitz's angle was, well, it's my show, so I decided creatively to remix it because and to that's put what in this work. That's what I wanted to do, right? Um, Ooh, man, that's tricky because I. Kinda, but their contracts say, you know, yeah, I kind of, fe- I can kind of see both sides. Like as you were explaining, and I was like, come on, Bateman, like you don't need, right. like come on, but. The fact that Hurwitz got paid for it and they didn't, although Hurwitz probably spent weeks upon weeks in the editing bay oh, f- cutting that sure. together, and they did nothing. And Ron Howard time. came back and recorded a whole bunch of new... Did he get compensated for it? Yeah. See? So, like, that's the thing. If they had come back and shot new scenes... Well, they did use scenes that weren't in the original, matter. too. They shot it three years ago. I mean, I guess I, that's true. That's I don't know. Of, I, I don't think know. it's just one... That that comes that's down to one of those, one. like, technicalities yeah. where they're like, well, our contract was negotiated against a 13-episode season. Right. You're kind of getting, you know, eight episodes for free. Yeah. You know what I mean? Of your series. Well, what I say because that some, is... Good job on Mitch. But you gotta think, a lot of actors, you know, Seinfeld, a lot right. of shows are like that you get paid per episode. Right. So it's not a, you know, well, this amount of screen time. It is, how long is your season? 20 episodes? Well, I get paid $300,000 per episode. Right. Whatever it may be. So I do kind of see where they're coming from. I mean, oh, I I get their point. I don't know if I'm on their side on this one. I get it. It's logical to me. I think the other part of it is like Mitch could basically say, well, the reason I had to do this is because none of you would fucking make time to be on set together, and we had to do the fourth season all screwy like, and, and nobody what? liked it, and no one liked it, and I want to, I want to hype this new season that you are fucking getting paid for by spending three weeks of my life re-editing stuff that you couldn't make the time to be here for. Right. I mean, that's fair. Maybe. Hey, Mitch Hurwitz, calm down. Maybe. Calm down, Mitch Hurwitz. I mean, and then again. Lots of people don't know, but Jay is being paid by Mitch Hurwitz's legal team to support (laughs) his claim of not having to pay the the actors any additional We only paid Stormy Daniels 
behind the table. Got it. Perfect. <laughs> around yeah. the table. I just I don't know where I where I fall on that because I really do see both right. sides. Like it's work that they did that they should get compensated for. But then again, I don't know, man. Like it, when I work at a company, if I write like a really good marketing proposal. And then I leave that company and three years later they use parts of that marketing proposal and they rework it and they keep parts of it. I'm not going to get paid for that again because I don't work. I'm not work. I'm not didn't put in the work on that new version. Sure. But parts of what I did are in it. I, I wouldn't expect to get compensated for it. That's fair. But then again, I'm not an actor. I'm not working in that, you know, world. So right. and I, we I don't know. get compensated at all. Yeah, so. exactly. We just do this because we love it. Take a lesson. Right. Uh, so that being said, lots of controversy surrounding this new season of Arrested Development, which honestly kind of put me off of it a little bit. I was a l- I'm a little nervous. I hear good things though. I I don't know. I haven't. Yeah. I've pretty much stayed clear of any of the response. It's something that I want to watch. It's mm-hmm. not something that I was like clamoring to watch because kind of the fourth season left kind of a. Bleh taste in my sure. mouth. Like I didn't really care for it. It was weird. The structure was weird. It had like a Rashomon style structure to it which was weird um but that being said i love the first three seasons of arrested one of my favorite shows ever exactly and that's and that's saying a lot considering you love both barney and seinfeld so you know i know good good television i'm like tnt we know good. <laughs> that is, they, and just cranking out hit after hit. After TNT hit is after just hit after pumping hit. them out. You know, like the and um, uh, well, you can't forget Rizzoli and Isles. Was that TNT? Sure. USA, probably. Probably. <laughs> That's what their tagline you, should be. TNT. It was probably USA. <laughs> 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 well, you know what? They've got reruns of King of Queens. I know that. Killing it. There you go. <laughs> fucking loving it. Fucking killing it. Pretty soon they're going to have reruns of Kevin Can Wait. Pretty soon they're probably going to pick up reruns of Roseanne. Probably. <laughs> so or they like, may already be playing them. TNT. We got nothing else. TNT. <laughs> 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 You're probably thinking of USA. I think that should be their new tagline. I really, really like it. TNT. We're a station. <laughs> <laughs> I, love, I love that tnt it's on <laughs> tnt is anybody watching television anymore <laughs> tnt get off my lawn these are like these are all these winning are suggestions this is fucking gold gold you're welcome tnt <laughs> tnt hashtag winning Don't <laughs> <laughs> they spell it with one n tnt how come the CW got better? <laughs> <laughs> That's what they are. They're like they were the WB. Do you remember yeah. that? Remember when the when remember when their mascot was a singing frog? And how now come? they have Arrow? What? How is this happening? What? What? <laughs> TNT. We wish we were CW. TNT. Someone buy us. <laughs> <laughs> Not Turner. <laughs> um, so anyway, um, we we've done the one thing. That we didn't come to this episode for, which is we haven't talked about Arrested Development we're, like at all. We talked about it a little bit. I mean, okay, so you said you know your anticipation for the fifth season was a little low. Yep. Um, I am kind of middle of the road. Um, I am in the group that didn't hate the fourth season. I right. thought there was a lot of really great single episodes. Sure. As a collective, I don't think it 
you know, compares to the other three. But man, there were some like hand to God with Buster and his giant hands. Sure. There were elements of that fourth season that I thought were on par or better than um than some of the things in the first three. A new start license plate is one of them. Yep. Um so I was on the fence about season five. So I'm excited they're all together. I'm excited that this season seems to lambast the current administration because that's one of the things that the first three seasons were great about was they knew they existed in W's America. Sure. And they doubled down on that a whole lot. And that brought a lot of the humor to the fold. So having an administration where they can double down on things like that, I think is, is smart. I haven't seen the fifth season, so I don't know how it's executed, but the few reviews I've read have, have told me good things. Sure. But given the whole Tambor situation, I, I feel like some of the controversy is taking away from the hype of the show. Right. Which, whether or not that's justified or right, I, I'm not the person to say. Honestly, my opinions on a lot of this are probably wrong because I am a middle-class white cisgendered male. Sure. And so I don't, I I don't have the context of a lot of the the controversy here. I just kind of watch it. Right. So. That leads me to my question for you is I, I, with the Tambor stuff, I kind of know where you stand and, um, you've, you know, you're on the side of him being basically a shit heel, which I am kind of agreeing with you where, what do you think his role should have been in the fifth season? Like what should they have done? Honestly, I don't know. I don't know when all this came. I mean, I don't know how far into filming they were when this all came out. I think they were done. If they're done, you have to you have yeah. to leave it. Otherwise, you're scrapping your show because to try and cob to try and cut a main character right. out of the show, well, you would have ended up with another fourth season it'd be fiasco. Like, it'd be like if uh, Breaking Bad, you know, in season four, if Aaron Paul had done something shitty and they tried to redo the entire season four of Breaking Bad around Jesse. Right. It just wouldn't work. Right. So and you, you sort of like torpedo your show or you just put it out there and hope that people appreciate the ensemble. And then if you are lucky enough to get picked up again, then you address the problem. Exactly. And maybe you address it in a creative Mitch Hurwitzy way. Sure. I don't know. I don't, sure. Like I said, I don't know what the answer is. I'm not the qualified to do it. You know what would be a really funny joke? Was that? Not to like make light of the situation with Jeffrey Tambor, but if uh, they made some sort of like weird, and it'd be super on point for, <laughs> for us, if they made some sort of like weird meta joke about the the brother Oh, like actually, Oscar? like Oscar actually being the dad <laughs> and how he's the good one and like turns out that uh their dad dad was like the not real dad the whole time and he's just a misogynistic piece of shit you know what and I? and they fucking like kill off him but okay. keep the good one okay i'm gonna change that slightly and add an element okay. so it's not oscar because that's right. also played by jeffrey tambor right it's gene parmesan it's the private investigator that jessica walters has always kept around Oh, you know, like he's that. the guy in the disguises, right. all the disguises. Right. He's been in disguise as Oscar so he's the, this whole oh, time. Oh, the whole time? And he's like, Gene Parmesan. And, there's, and Jessica Walsh is like, ah! That's how they do it. And then he becomes the dad. And that he's been the dad. The whole, he's the yeah. real dad the that, whole time. So the actor who plays Gene Parmesan. He's been hiding out as, as Jeffrey Tambor. As, uh, as Oscar. Oscar for all these seasons so he could stay close to the family. Exactly. And... 
Brilliant. And so Mitch Hurwitz, hello. Yeah. We're knock, talking knock, to you. Knock, knock. We got your season six. And then how they get Jeffrey Tambor off the show is you make a storyline where all the women that he's dated and wronged in the past, Kitty, Jessica Walters, right. a bunch of the others, come and like get their revenge on him. You remember that episode of Boy Meets World where all of Sean's ex-girlfriends yeah, tie him up in a cabin? In the dock house? It's yeah. that. They do, they do that except they kill him. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. That just got dark. And I'm then, into it, though. And then he comes out, and, uh, and right, Jay I Walter Weatherman is like, and that's why you don't molest women. Nope. <laughs> yeah, I'm into that. Yeah. But I think it would be even better if uh, he was eaten by a Lucille. Oh, yeah. Or beaten to death with by a Lucille. <laughs> Yeah, I'd be just, fine with that. Because I like, beats him with his tail. And then Buster could have a whole thing like, oh my god, he always wanted more than just my hand. <laughs> now you, you He's thirsty my, for blood. You first took my dad, and now you... I mean, you first took my hand, and now you've taken nope, my dad. I already hear the joke, because it's after Gene Parmesan's already been revealed. So he's like, first you took my hand, and then you took my not-dad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I'm pretty sure Mitch Hurwitz should hire us. I... Like... It sounds like Mitch, we're writer material. Mitch, 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 Mitch. Listen to me. Listen, listen, Mitch. Mitchy, can I call you Mitch? Mitchy, can I call you Chad? <laughs> uh, we got we got opening in our schedule. We got skills. <coughs> we got Z. mad skills. We just saved season six of Arrested Development. Six seasons in a movie. We're man. ready to pitch it. Six seasons All right, in so. A movie. Now that we've saved season six, yes. let's talk about the seasons that came before the Netflix jump. Ah, <coughs> you mean the good ones? The OGs. Oh, yes. Um, the non, it, to use a Dan Harmon reference, the non-gas leak years. <laughs> nice. Nice. Um, We're making references all over the place. So the first three seasons are amazing and have some of the smartest, most clever, and oh, talk about shows that have uh, just a hundred jokes a minute. Oh, man. I mean- that's what has kept the rewatchability so high for those first three you seasons. You don't remember you watching it like, oh shit, that was a joke. <laughs> Just right, there's it. shit that on first viewing, Arrested Development, and I'll put this out there, Arrested Development that is a television show that is made to be replayed. Oh yeah, like it, really it is. absolutely is not a one and done viewing type show. Well, I mean that's the one of the things, like that I loved about Arrested Development. And one of the things I believe killed it <laughs> and sure was that they, oh man, it's going to sound pretentious to say, but I don't care. We're too smart with their humor. Sure. Like we as a viewing audience in America just need dumb family guy S humor. But the fact that Arrested Development built in jokes that would last episodes or an entire season if you weren't willing to put in the time and actually watch it actively, sure. like not a passive television watching experience, actively watch the show, right? then it wasn't going to resonate as much as it should have with you. Can I, at the risk of just super sucking Dan Harmon's dick, I feel the same way about Community. I feel like that's why Community yeah. got canceled. It was still, you know, season four kind of took a dip because Dan Harmon sure. left. Right. He came back. Season five was great. I thought so. And then it got picked up by, it got canceled. Yeah. And I feel like it got canceled because that was a show that was too clever for its own good. Right. It was too meta for its own good. It was too smart for its own good. And the average television viewer didn't get it. Right. 
Um, and so, yeah, I totally agree with your statement of it. Right. The show was just too smart. Is too smart to to survive. Yeah. Too big to fail, too smart to live. Yep. But like, okay, so let me give a good example with community so people kind of understand exactly the type of thing we're talking about. And you know what I'm about to say because it's my favorite example from community. Sure. So community, the three first core seasons, every season had a Halloween episode. Yep. And in every season of community, in the Halloween episode, someone would mention Beetlejuice. Whether it was a throw-off gag, whether it was like I'm wearing Beetlejuice underwear, there was some reference to Beetlejuice. In the third season of Community, in the Halloween episode, when someone mentions Beetlejuice for the third time in Community lore, someone dressed as Beetlejuice walks across the background. Right. That's not something that someone who saw that episode on a rerun or had just watched it at a friend's house... Would ever get. Would ever get. Not only would they not get it, they probably wouldn't see the Beetlejuice in the background and get the relevancy. And three... Two or three, it rewards people for actively paying attention to the mise en scene and what they're putting in the show. Right. The effort they're nothing taking you said to sounded pre- pretentious except for mise en scene. I don't I, honestly. I'll be pretentious about this because these are the types of shows that I think die faster than they need to. Right. But they're also. But I feel like these are the shows, and you know, I'll go on record one hundred percent as saying this. These are the types of shows that belong on streaming media. Oh yeah, I they agree. are the ones. They are pretty much built to yeah. to live long and happy lives on constantly replayable, rewatchable, mm-hmm. streamable media. Did you ever watch? Um, That's why I'm real sad that fucking Community has yeah. always been kind of hit or miss on streamable media. Sometimes yeah. it's available in its entirety, sometimes it's not. Well, that's why I have them all on DVD because it was just. I feel the like way. that needs to be. Yeah. Put out there. It Did may you be ever on watch, Hulu um, right now. Lady Dynamite. Yeah, on, on Netflix. Netflix. Mm-hmm. See, that's a good example of that show never would have survived on television. Oh, on no, no, no never no, no. in a million years. But it's great. Sure, it's, it's brilliant. But it never would have lasted. It, it deserves to be on streaming. Right. And I and I, I think the same thing about about Arrested Development. I mean, just the the different layers of of jokes. So a lot of shows will either rely on witty writing. Or a funny character, or a group of funny characters. The thing that Arrested Development did so well, and I think Community to a degree as well, is some of the jokes were pure just dialogue puns. Yep. Some were 100% physical comedy. Some were political satire. Some was a spoof of another property, like Mrs. Doubtfire or something. Right. And some was just balls to the wall weird, but it all meshed together where you can get a pun joke in dialogue over something that's happening over physical comedy in the show mixed with a scene setting that's political satire. And you have to, and you can and should try and appreciate all three layers of that comedy. Oh, absolutely. And that's, that's crazy impressive for a show to pull off. Yeah, that's. Cuckoo crazy, cuckoo crazy for cocoa puffs. Some of my favorite, some of my favorite elements of that always happen. It seems like in the Bluths' kitchen. So whether it's Michael saying something funny while he finds one of Job's frozen birds in the fridge, totally, or the uh, was the cheese baller. Yeah, oh, <laughs> no, burns people. Corn, corn, corn baller. baller. Yeah, the corn baller that always burn people. Oh, and then, then some of the, just the dumbest gags imaginable, like. 
Bob Loblaw. Yeah. Bob Loblaw's Loblog. Yeah. It's just the It's just dumb because it's ridiculous (laughs) to say. And then the further and further they could take it was and then hilarious. In the, in the, in the uh, fourth season, the whole maritime law thing. Oh, that was just so funny. And they would just drip, pepper in like uh, Lindsay at one point was like, well, I have to be back home by eight bells. Yeah. And it's just like all of these little like and then. Uh, um, uh, wow. I can't think of his character's name. Jason Bateman. I don't know oh, why that jo- just escaped uh, me. Yeah. Um, I don't know, but his whole like backstory in the fourth season about he played a a maritime lawyer lawyer in a a a production of Peter Pan, and therefore he's like, so I think I know a little something about maritime law. The book on old Mister Hook. So it was just, um, but that was also the first time that his character ever. Season four was the first time that Michael's character ever was the butt of the joke. I feel like. Or became as dumb in some scenarios as the rest of his family. That's I'll agree with you on that one. I think Michael has been the butt of the joke a lot, but it's very, very subtle. I think this was the season where they made him almost as dumb as the rest of the family. And I think, oblivious. I think that's been a subtext of the show. Like, Michael is always being brought back and that's stupid. Or, you know, he, the way that he approaches George Michael on issues is dumb. Like they've made him that to a degree. I mean, think of how oblivious he was with the whole Anne stuff in the first three seasons. Egg. Egg. Yeah. It's always been there, but the four seasons. That's a funny gag. Yeah. Oh, I love the egg and Anne. her gag. Um, so I think that was something that they was always there, but in the fourth season between the, you know, um, Mayamo or, uh, the brother, how they, how do they in Spanish? Oh, uh, oh, uh, uh, fuck me. No, uh, okay. Keep, keep going. Yeah, I'll think but of you it. know what I'm talking about. Like yes. that whole thing, like with the love triangle and then the love triangle with George Michael near the end there. Yes. It just, they made him more of a, a dunce than I think he necessarily is. Um, but hermano, hermano, that that's it. it. Um, hermano. And so I don't know, like. The fourth season, I, I I didn't I didn't hate I didn't love I thought you know if I'm ranking them it's probably at the bottom but it's still above a lot of other shows of um, a lot of other seasons of other shows sure so I don't know I I haven't I'm excited to binge watch uh, Arrested Development season five which I will be doing this weekend I will be doing the same we'll chat so, about it yeah so so tell me what um what are some of your favorite episodes like so what are some of the things that that really you when I when I think back on the show, some of the episodes that jump out at me, um, one is the Mr. F. Pretty much the yep. whole Mr. F. Arc. I was, that's what I was gonna say with Charlie's Theron. With Charlie's Theron, but the episode that I think of, and then I I actually point people to as almost a perfect encapsulation of single camera sitcom writing is the episode that ends with Tobias in the mole costume. Oh, yeah. I think that show or that episode of that show is almost the perfect encapsulation of how to tie A, B, and C story threads together Uh with things that have been lingering in the show, you know, throughout the run. Sure. So the whole way that they tied in the Mr. F and being a mole to um, trying to build the the city, the miniature city on the hill to yep. impress the Chinese or the Japanese uh, investors. investors. Um, and mixed with, uh, mixed with, uh, 
it's not Tobias' story, um, mixed with Buster's storyline, plus the Mr. F stuff, how that all ties together in that one beautiful scene of Michael showing the Japanese investors the mini city through the window saying, oh yeah, it's way, way out there. Right. And then Tobias coming over the hill dressed as a mole as George Michael gets the the jetpack and flies, flies into back. view. I, I don't know if I've laughed that hard at an episode of television in my life is when all those storylines came together with George Michael getting the wrong box for the right. jet thing. It's supposed to be a train that him and Michael can build together. It's just brilliant. And that's one of the episodes I think of just over and over and over again of just how smart the show can be when it's firing on all cylinders. I totally love that. That's a that is a great. I would I'm I'm going to have to agree with you. I don't know why I didn't think about that, but you're right. That was brilliant. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. I love all of the uh Lucille Lucille 2, yeah. the Lucille Ostero interplay i I think think that's hilarious i love the the aspect that her character has vertigo and it kind of always comes into play but never is it has no reason for being there it's just she has vertigo and it's hilarious sure um i love the yeah her and buster's relationship i think is funny um there are a lot of episodes in season two um i think season two is where tobias really takes off as a character that's the I Blew Myself season. Right. That's the Mrs. Doubtfire season, right. I believe. Um, or what was her name? What is his name? Um, Featherbottom? Yeah, Mrs. Mrs. Featherbottom. Featherbottom. I, I laugh so hard when he's up on the balcony and he's singing and he jumps off with the <laughs> umbrella as if it would Mary Poppins him away. And then I also, I, I also think that there's an element of um, – Ron Howard's narration that's just brilliant. Sure. Um, especially when he's describing what Tobias was doing. And he's like, yeah, and he wore this and pretended to be made. And he's like, yes, that is the exact plot of Mrs. Doubtfire. Right. The, the fact that they acknowledge it, it. Oh, man. That was funny. And, you know, speaking of Tobias, that was funny because I uh, it led me to season four. Um, I thought his whole interaction with the methadone clinic Oh. The method one. Method it's one. It's a method clinic. one clinic. Yeah. Uh, and then meeting uh, Maria Bamford. Mm-hmm. Um, and then going down and then getting hooked on the methadone. <laughs> and then just the, um, what then, was the name of that restaurant that they go to? The, I don't remember the name of the something restaurant. Swapigans, like MJ Swapigans. <laughs> yeah. And it's fa- it's like they have to trade items yeah. for food. I I also like is it that's the season where they do like the rip off Fantastic Four street performers? Is that it? was yeah. Maria Bamford yeah. was in the low budget production right. of Fantastic that's Four, right? Yeah, as the Invisible Girl. That's right. And they even had a gag, which was really funny because once again to just talk about Arrested Development and the layers of jokes, they would just layer a joke on top of another joke on top of another joke. So a lot of times you were just seeing the surface level joke, not realizing that there was two or three other yeah. jokes packed into that. One of the one that I caught recently, cause I did go back and watch the remix oh, okay. season I need to do that. Um, and it's better. Yeah, it is a lot better. It feels much more like the original show. It still okay. feels clunky and like sure, odd in I places. Mean, I guess it would have to. to and agree. it's not made to be like right. that. You know what I mean? Um, 
But one of the things that I didn't catch first go round is they had a flashback. Tobias has a flashback when he's talking, when he meets Maria Bamford's character for the first time. And he has a flashback to her being in that low budget uh-huh. Fantastic Four. And it's like, little did Tobias know that, uh, this is Ron Howard's narration yeah. again, that uh, most of her performance was portrayed by a uh, fishing wire because it was just like things being carried around because she was the invisible girl. But the clip that they show is that movie being watched by what is essentially a mystery science theater 3000. (laughs) And they're commenting on it while Ron Howard is commenting on it. So Ron Howard is like, little did Tobias know that it was her. Most of her performance was done by a string. And then, they're making comments down below like, oh, my God, did her string just break? Did my string just break? Like a guy. And that's funny on its own because that was totally Mystery Science Theater right. 3000. And that joke was funny that he yeah. made about the footage that you're watching. So it was once again just that like that's a fucking joke within a joke within right. a joke. Oh, I, I, I and the, the quickness. The uh, thing that I love about the show is that it's unapologetically quick. And if you miss a joke, it's your fault sure. almost. Like, one that I think of a lot when I talk about the cleverness and the quickness of the writing is, um, I think it's in season one or two, but Job buys a boat named the Sea Word. Yes. And it's going out, you know, into the sea, and they're talking about it, and Michael and Job are talking, and Michael says, you've got to get rid of the Sea Word. And as he says that, Lucille Bluth walks into the room, and without missing a beat goes, I'll leave when I'm good and ready. And it was so fast and so quick that I, it, the first couple watchings just went right over my head. Sure. And I remember the first time I caught that and just laughing for, for minutes. Just sure. Like this is the greatest thing. Cause that was such a throwaway gag, but it's so one offensive for television. Sure. And perfect. It's just right. so perfect that she would think, they were talking about. Of course. Her. Of course she would. Oh, man. So that's funny. I loved the Oscar stuff. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really funny. Where um, he, like, owned a marijuana farm or whatever. Totally. Yeah. I also loved the season four or the season. Yeah, season four Oscar stuff I thought was pretty funny with the whole sweat lodge right. and the sweat and squeeze is what <laughs> yeah. George set up, George Sr. set and up. And then, the, uh, then Job is in there, like, he gets stuck in the thing. But, and that's, it's just speaking of Job, that's one of the things, uh, just another joke in the layer of the brilliance. Even a lot of their names are puns. Right. You know what I mean? Job is Gob. Yeah, because it's George Oscar Bluth. Right. So it's Gob, but yeah. he goes by Job. Right. Uh, jo- uh, Michael's son is George Michael. Michael. Um, but and they're referenced later, but most of it just is never referenced. It's just right. like that's their name, but their names are funny. Um, yeah. Well, maybe. I mean, whose name is maybe? Exactly. Yeah. Um, but a lot of those, once again, Bob blah blah, <laughs> Bob blah blah's blah blah. <laughs> um, but a lot of those kind of things are gags. Tobias yeah. Funke, right, is how it's pronounced, but it's Tobias Funk, right, or Funky, Funky. Uh, I, I, th- I still think therapist uh, oh. was one of the best gags they yeah, did. Yep. Yeah. It was, it was 
the analrapist. Yeah, the analrapist. Yes. <laughs> it just looked like anal, right? Anal rapist. And then a new start, which looked like anus, anus tart. tart. <laughs> <laughs> They're so good at coming up with those like little quick things. I also thought even the dumb gags, like the Anyang gag. Anyang. is really funny. It's like, oh, hi. Like, what's your name? It's like, oh, Anyang. It's like, it's Anyang. 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 Right. And then the fact that he'd been hiding in the walls like the whole time. But the, just, the chicken gag was oh. really funny. And they're like clapping their hands and like yeah. not making chicken motions or sounds. I think that's a that's a three season gag that I think really pays off because in the first season it's just Job that does that. In the second season it's Job and Les, uh, uh, Job Lindsay. and Lindsay that do it. And in the third season. George the George Senior gets involved and Michael finally is like, "Have any of you ever seen a chicken?" Because <laughs> exactly. they're all doing different things and none of them are right. Right. It's just oh, it's so good. That shit's funny. All of the Buster stuff is hilarious. Buster's one of my favorites. I I just yeah. think you know I one I like the fact that he is a nice person in real life. Um, you oh know, yeah, you guys. A has you met have him. A connection. And, uh, well, not really a, a connection. soul connection. A met him at a cafe, told him how big of a fan I was of his acting career. Right. At primarily um, Stranger Than Fiction. Um, but, uh, but you know, Arrested Development. And she asked if he would take a picture for me. And he's like, well, I'll do you one better. Um, we'll be best friends. Yeah. Is what he said. And he wrote a note like, hi, Joey, on a piece of paper and held it up. And it was awesome. And uh, we have it like on our fridge. Like it's it's just he was really nice and he was in town because he was doing a charity event at Vanderbilt, debuting some early episodes of season four. This is back when season four was coming out, um, and he was debuting his favorite Buster moments in the whole show, awesome. and then donating all of it to like children's charities, love and it. children's Vanderbilt Hospital. It was amazing. Like it's he's a great person, and I love all the Buster stuff. I think it's the hand stuff is so funny. Um, his joining the army is really great. His relationship with uh, uh, Lucille Ostero, it's just, it's so clever. His stuff is so good. And Tony Hale is amazing as, in that role. Well, let's, um, that's a perfect segue into our decided list for this episode. Uh, but before, wait, wait. Oh, oh, I hear it, it. It's time. Is it time for a Marsden Minute? It's time for a Marsden Minute. Jason Marsden. Jason Marsden. In a minute. Jason Marsden. In a minute. Jason Marsden. Dash daring. Courageous and caring. Faithful and friendly. For stories to share. Jason Marsden is the fucking best. He's so neat. Neat and neat and neat to Jason Marsden. Jason That's not neat. a good song. Neat, 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 neat. neat Jason neat, Marsden. Neat, 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 neat. Uh, Jason Marsden. Man, okay, Jason, we tweeted at you today. Um, you know, this will be a short Marsden minute. And I know you're probably just you super get, busy. You're super busy. I bet your cheeks are burning right now. Um, but you know, we saw that uh, <laughs> that that another Marsden. Uh, James Marsden. I, I don't want to say his name. Oh, because we're talking sorry. about Jason. The only the good Marsden, Marsden who shall not be named got cast in the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Jason, that should have been you. This is your fucking movie. We're gonna fight for you for this. We will fight for we're you. We're going to Hollywood and we're getting you that role. Hashtag 
you cast the wrong Marsden? I, I don't say, know. I Marsden for so. Sonic doesn't work because right, Marsden is, is Sonic. Sonic. Jason uh, Mars for Sonic. Mars for Sonic. Mars for Sonic. Hashtag Mars for Sonic. Now, Jason, which honestly, hold on, that sounds like a kick-ass band name. Does Mars Mars for Sonic? For Sonic. Mars, but for it's Sonic. like if you say it as like one yeah. word, like it's like Mars. And Vol- now coming to stage, Mars for Sonic. It's like Mars Volta, but like for Sonic. More, but for Sonic, <laughs> yeah. Mars Volta for but Sonic. also, do you think it would be confusing with the hashtag Mars for Sonic? Because do you think that they would just be like, we should get Jason Marsden some Sonic? <laughs> Jason, would you like some Sonic? Would you, we can make Everybody that happen. Everybody bring Jason Marsden Sonic so, right now. If you're near him, if you see Jason Marsdick. Marsdick? <laughs> here's, here's what I say. I don't know what he would order at Sonic, but I'm going to bet. One of everything. Just I'm going to bet that he's going to – he's he's a, a double cheeseburger type of guy. I'm going to say he loves chocolate banana shakes. Do it. Please chocolate banana shake. Please, Jason Marsden, don't be allergic to bananas or chocolate. Or shakes. <laughs> or, or Sonic. Or just Sonic. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, no, no, no. We want you to be Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah. So we'll say Mars for Sonic. Mar- hashtag Mars for Sonic. We're going to fight for you whether you want the role or not. We know you're busy because you've got right. your show coming out, um, but we don't care. We're right. going to get you that role. Anybody, any of our talented listeners out there who can uh, make a Photoshop version of Jason Marsden as Sonic the Hedgehog. Do it. Do that, and we're going to use that as our promotional material for our campaign. Our campaign. Com- <laughs> you suck at words. I do. Our campaign. <laughs> Hashtag Mars for Sonic. Um, but speaking of his going to be very busy with his yeah. his show is we've got the Mars Variety Show taping right. coming up very soon. Yeah, which we are going to, which we are very excited about. Now, we are we are coming with bells on, Jason. So we're and not nothing gonna, else. We're not going dis- to we're not going to disrupt your show because it's important and we want to be there. Uh, we'll probably bring you some swag, too. Yeah, we're going to bring you some swaggy swag. But we're excited. We hope you're excited that you get to see us. I've seen in some of your uh, sneak peeks of what's going on that there's going to be puppets. Yeah. I'm always down for puppets. Puppet bartenders is where is where we're at. Is where it's at. It's where it's at. So, uh, so, Jason, we're looking forward to it. We're going to fight for you. Hashtag Mars for Sonic. And as always, everyone tweet at Jason Marsden, your, your thoughts of I feel, I feel pretty. pretty. And bring him a chocolate banana shake from Sonic. He, it, but he don't him. expect him to eat it. because He uh, loves him. He's allergic to both chocolate <laughs> and bananas. And, and Sonic, mostly. And Sonic. So, But bring it to him anyway. All right. True story. Warning label. <laughs> All right. So anyway, <laughs> back right. to Arrested Development. So our it's def- list time. Our definitive list. So what we decided on is, yes, there we could have done episodes. We could have done gags. I think... We decided on characters because the show is based around this quirky cast of characters. A quirky cast of characters. A collective quirky cast of characters. Jesus Christ, superstar. So we're going to do best top five Arrested Development characters. Now, this is obviously not including any characters that are new to season five. Right. So, yeah, we don't. If if they're in season five and they're great, we haven't seen them yet. We're sorry. Not going to be on this list. Not going to be on this list. Um, I would also say that while we can discuss some of them, it might be tough for like guest stars or throwaway characters probably to make it on the top five unless they're just incredibly important to the show. Right. Um. You know, so when we're talking about best here, Q, yes, how are we defining that? So are we like best, best written? I'm best gonna say realized. I'm gonna funniest? say all of the above. Okay, 
I say it needs to incorporate the the characters that you when you think Arrested Development, your brain goes to that and you're like, wow, that was a funny gag. That's a funny character. That's a funny. It's well written. It's well defined. It's well acted. Well performed. Those are the characters that I think of. Okay. So I'm gonna throw out. I'm just gonna fucking put it straight out there. My number one. Mm-hmm. My absolute petition for favorite best is Tobias Funke. Really? Yep. I really think that that character defines kind of the weird aloofness and humor. He is the at the center of a lot of the stuff that has uh, moved beyond the show. Sure. I mean, he was in fucking uh, Infinity That's Wars. true. He was. Um, it, so he's clearly one of the Russo brothers' favorite right. characters who are known for directing, right. directing episodes of Arrested Development. I think that character is a foil in so many great mm-hmm. ways for the show. I would say it's a, I'll give you an, an offer for either a second place or a tie for that character would be either him or Buster. Buster's Bluth. my vote. Okay. So that's, I think Buster is... Man, you made a good argument for Tobias, though, because I think, like, of the set pieces, the I Blew Myself, the Pirates, the Pirate Ship, the um, the the Methadone. The Mrs. Featherbottom. The Mrs. Featherbottom. The mole costume the, in the best episode. That yeah, you... the mole costume. And then all the, the anal rapist, the uh, uh, Funke's uh, Happy Time Good yep. Folk Band or yep. whatever. The, the New, New Start. Start. I think he probably encapsulates the weirdness and the eclect- never nude eclecticity of the show. Because talk about a weird yeah. thing that was never a thing. Yeah, but the never nude, and that became a fun. Like everybody yeah. knows what a never nude is. Even the people who haven't really seen this show, they know the never nude gag yeah. of just cut off short, cut it's off shorts. Amazing, only it's so amazing. Uh, so actually, I'm fine with Tobias being number one. Okay, Buster needs to be in the top. Two I would. Or three. I would say he's number two because it think... was a real tough choice for me. It's kind of like killing my darlings. Right. Um, I love Tobias. I just think he encapsulates more. Mm-hmm. I feel like Buster. Um, but I was reminded of one of my favorite gags, uh, Buster gags, while watching, uh, rewatching Arrested Development recently. Was the him fucking baby birding the smoke from his mom? Oh right, and blowing it out the balcony. I don't know why that was so fucking funny to me, <laughs> but because Jessica Walters' character is on house arrest, yeah. she can't get near the balcony or the exits, and so she is smoking indoors and blowing it into <laughs> Buster's mouth, who is then running over to the balcony and exhaling it, and just slowly getting more and more sick from yeah. it and out of breath to the point where he's finally like. I have to stop. I I have to stop. And he's looking sick. And that almost made me pee myself. Well, there are a couple, uh, uh, there are a couple buster instances that are like that for me. One is when he's on the balcony with Lucille two. Uh-huh. And he's like, you know, she's like, aren't you afraid about your mom? He's like, I don't care about her, blah, blah, blah. And then someone opens the balcony door and he runs through the glass balcony door. <laughs> yeah. the, the physicality of that gag is so funny. I also think the I don't remember the name of the school, but the, the school for silent boys or whatever. Oh, yeah. yeah and yeah. so and the whole episode Buster's like hiding behind things. Right. I think that's brilliant. And then the whole mother boy stuff. Oh man! I, so Buster for me and the hand stuff. 
uh, all of his hand stuff. Right. I, I just think for me, he also encapsulates sort of the greatness. His relationship with the Roomba. Yes. Because they understood each other because he is also part machine. Yeah. Well, and then um, feeding the Roomba Cheetos. Or when they, when Lucille Bluth is like imprisoned or away and he's home alone and they come and he's like nude on with, the bed, like with a typewriter or something with her clothes uh, laid out on the bed. It's just so Buster for me, I think, has to be up there. He's my favorite personally. Sure. Um, and I just think he's one of the best well-rounded encapsulated characters in the show and a character who does a lot of things like my uh, everybody in the show. The, the part of the gag is arrested development. They're stunted in the place. Right emotionally where they are also a play on them their uh family legality issues true and the fact that it's a literal development yeah even the title has so many (laughs) fucking jokes packed into it it's ridiculous and so i think buster's one of the only ones who actually has growth and change through the show he loses a body part he joins the army he moves out like I think so. Yeah, that those are all my reasons for Buster being near the top. Sure. Um, I want to throw two more out there that I want us to consider. Okay. One, Lucille Bluth. Yeah. I think she's a stalwart. Sure. She might even be above Buster as a better character. She, I think she's better written, like dialogue wise, and I think Jessica Walters is a phenom is phenomenal right. as her. Here's my only problem with putting that near the top. I feel like Jessica Walters has two characters right now both on television the or Archer. a form of television that are basically yeah. the same character. Her mother character on Archer is very similar to oh, her Lucille. I it's, think it's, it's the, exact, the same yeah. character. It's the they exact even same look character. the same. Like the They're design just, of the character is the same. It's just animated. So I will, I, I don't think that character is, um, what do you call it? Proprietary to arrested development. And so for me, therefore is not, is not, it doesn't scream Arrested Development. When sure. I see that character, I think Arrested Development or Archer. Like, uh, I, either I can, way. I can get on board for that. I, I'm definitely, I can get on board for that for not having her at number two. Sure. I still think she's important to the list. Sure. Because. But there's so many more, though, that I, I feel are really important. Well, let's go I, through some of them. Okay. I would also throw out the narrator. Oh, I, I, Ron, I 100% Ron agree. Howard as the narrator. Absolutely. Which, which should be in consideration. Absolutely. Yeah, I just think Ron Howard's narrator character, while never seen on screen, is just so important to the aesthetic of the show. No, I I would petition for him to be number three. Really? I, I feel like I feel like it's that important. I feel like Arrested Development wouldn't be and wouldn't have that Arrested right. Development feel without his voice. Without without those snarky comments, without the snappiness. Exactly. Um, and. I think that adds a, a layer to the meta-ness of the show, which is, you know, something we've talked about in recent episodes that you and I both love is when a show it can be self-referential or understand, you know, its place in the market. And I think this show does that really well. And one of the layers of how it shows that is through Ron Howard and through the, that narration. I couldn't agree more. Okay. I really, I re- and that's why I would place oh. it so high. That was actually nice. going to be my next suggestion. So uh, like you it. read my weird bearded mind, <laughs> my weirded mind. What, I mean, what else? Uh, okay. So another character that I am particularly fond of is it uh, Job. Is, it, well, is Job, but not Job. Me some Job. Is George Michael. Really? I think George Michael 
is probably the only other character other than Michael who I feel a, a real sympathetic <laughs> like feeling for. I think George Michael's the only sympathetic character because on the show a lot of times. I feel like nine times out of ten, he's just this a poor, awkward kid who is thrust into this insane family. Right. And is just trying to navigate it the best he can while also dealing with Man, his whole arc with him being in love with maybe mm-hmm. still to this day is the best, most awkward stuff. And when there is a potential talk in one of the seasons about maybe, maybe not being yeah related, related and how like into that he was. And then his whole arc with the muscle suit. I love the muscle um, suit. Was great. And it looks like from some promo stuff, the muscle suit may make a return. I, I saw him getting out of a pool five. when it's droopy. Right. It looks funny. So uh, I would say George Michael is one of those characters who's very put upon, but he kind of plays the straight man a lot in a lot of the craziness that's happening around him. Job tries to take him under his wing during the whole <laughs> banana stand thing. Yeah. Like it's this real Job becomes his foil during the <laughs> banana stand and then makes a competing banana stand. <laughs> it's so crazy yeah um i feel like he is one of those characters that i immediately think of when i think arrested development here's here's my only pushback on that sure is i feel like george michael is so synonymous with the personality of michael sarah mm-hmm. like that so basically using your jessica walters sure. argument against the george michael because i feel like that awkwardness that level of character is played a lot in other Michael Sarah movies. Sure. Not to the exact degree, but to a close enough degree where he's not one of the first things I think of about the show, but when I do think of him, I'm very happy. If that's, that makes sense. That's fair. My only argument to that, conversely, uh, would be uh, that during the first three seasons, Michael Sarah was no one. That's true. So during the first three seasons, that was George Michael. So I actually think George Michael first before I think any of his other performances as him. I think he's just always George Michael, if that makes sense. Um, So (laughs) so he's not Michael Sarah being typecast. He's George Michael being cast in in all of these movies. movies. That's pretty funny. That's a that's a funny idea. Is that funny in its own right. We'll put a pin in that and okay. come back to it after that's we discuss fair. some other characters. But that's funny. Okay. Um. I also love the Henry Winkler lawyer character. Sure. I think he's great. Like for me, George Senior is really funny, and I like what Tambor brings to the brings to the role. I also think Jason Bateman as is one of my favorites. I love him, but I also think that his character. I don't know. I just. He's not in the top five for me. Jason Bateman? Yeah. Right. Or Michael Bluth, I right. guess I should say. I mean, he's really important to the show, but I'm not sure, you know, if I would classify him as the top five characters that I think embody what Arrested Development is. Sure. You know what I mean? No, I totally get that. All right, so where, where, what else do we have? I mean, we've got Lindsay. Lindsay's great. We've sure, got we've Nate. got Job. We've got Job. I, I personally love Job. I, the magician storylines. I would say if we're not going to include Michael, we've got to include Job. I I would be okay with that. But once again, that's kind of just him. Will Arnett, yeah. Just Will Arnett being Will Arnett. Right, and that's kind of why I'm I'm dancing with it. I also think and, and in the interest of of fairness 
and the, and the world we're living in, there are some really strong female characters. Oh, absolutely. On the show. Sure. So w- we need to have at least one or two of them represented because Agreed. the show wouldn't be the show without um without Anne or right. without maybe without right. Lindsay uh, without Lucille. I, I would vote for uh, Lucille too. I would say Lucille Ostero. I think yeah. would be funnier. <laughs> what if what if just the loose seal is just a loose seal? <laughs> um, I'd be fine with egg, egg and egg. Yeah, I'd I'd be fine. Her character lasted. She did. She got brought back for the fourth season. I think she's in the fifth season too. Does Steve Holt come back? <laughs> Steve Holt. Steve Holt. That was a good character. He was a great character. Uh, that whole storyline with Joe being his dad. And all that. That was very funny. I also, it was ironic for me because I knew a guy named Steve Holt growing up. Did you? Yeah. And he was nothing. Did you shout at him, Steve Holt? I did all the time, which he hated. But And he was nothing like that character, but it was still funny. Um, Okay, so we have, so what have we locked in? We've locked in Tobias. As number one. We've locked in Buster. As number two. And we've locked in the narrator. As number three. So we've got two spots spots left. left. I'd be fine. I I will give you a Jessica Walters. Okay. Um, as four. Okay. I do feel like she is important to the show. I feel like her character has, you're right. Some of the best writing and her interaction with Buster a lot of times is what makes the Buster character funny. Her not being able to blink. Yes. The mother boy stuff, which I already mentioned. Right. Um, I think her character is very good. So I will... I will totally concede. And I do love that the arc of her character is we find out she was behind everything pretty much the whole time. Oh, for sure. I love that. For so, sure. Yeah, I, her is number four I, I'm happy with. Um, and so that just gives us number five. So, okay, here, let me put this out there. And I know it'll be sad to not have Job on there if we do this. Uh-huh. I kind of feel like number five needs to be representative of the wacky side character. So okay. either a J. Walter Weatherman, a Gene Parmesan, um, the lawyer, uh, Bob, either a Bob Blah Blah or uh, Henry Winkler's lawyer character, or the true, too literal doctor. I he's gonna be all right. <laughs> That's funny. We lost him. Um, I think it would have to be Gene Parmesan. The the wacky side Only characters. because the sixth season that we pitched won't work without him. It's true. So he's integral to the and show. And as wacky side characters go, the idea of a private investigator that's always scaring Jessica Walters by dressing up as different things right. is so funny. I'm it's okay. a really funny it, gag. For me, it's between him and Jay Walter Weatherman. I love the idea, and that's why you always leave a note. Yeah, I love the. the I'd be okay. I'm gonna leave it up to you. I'd be okay with either one of those. I. What what do you feel more strongly? What I think is who I think is better. Is it Jay Walter Weatherman? I think Gene Parmesan is actually better utilized in the show. I can think of more of his gags, and the Gene the Jay Walter Weatherman is sort of a one note joke. Joke. Right. It's used in a lot of different ways very well and well-crafted. But I think Gene Parmesan actually matters more to the story. Sure. And he encapsulates sort of the quirky side characters, I think, in a great and way. And in our High Five season six. Yeah. He has to he be there. He has to be there. And so, okay. So there's our list. Number one, Tobias. Yep. Number two, Buster. Yep. Number three, the narrator. Yep. Number four, um, Mrs. Bluth. Yep. Uh, Lucille Lucille. Bluth. Um, and then number five is Gene Parmesan. Parmesan. I think it's pretty solid. That's a good list. 
And that makes me want to go back and watch all these episodes now before uh, watching season five. Do it. But, but wait, before you watch it, don't turn around. There's a loose seal. No! We have reached the end of another High Five, the podcast episode. It's time to lock up the writer's room and rest comfortably, knowing we knocked out another great list of things you should be watching. If the guys didn't mention your favorites this week in their lists, you can harass them by emailing them at myfive at highfivethepodcast.com. That's M-Y-F-I-V-E at H-I-G-H-F-I-V-E-T-H-E P-O-D-C-A-S-T dot com. <sighs> Got that? Or connecting with them on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash high five the podcast. On Twitter at high the number five the podcast. Instagram at high five the podcast. Or on Letterboxd by searching high five colon the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever else you listen to podcasts and drop the show a five-star rating to show us some love. What's the worst that could happen? <laughs> Kali Ma? Maybe. See you next week. And that's a wrap, everybody. Cut, Casper. That's a wrap. Cut, printed. What happens in the next reel? Cut. Okay, that's a print. Okay, cut. That's a wrap. That's a wrap, people. Now let's get the hell out of here.